Hey there, welcome to XR Industry Leaders with ArborXR. My name is Brad Scoggin, and I am the CEO and one of three co-founders of ArborXR. We've had the opportunity of working with thousands of companies since 2016, and we've learned a ton about what it takes for XR to be successful in your organization. And I'm Will Stackable, co-founder and CMO. This podcast is all about interviewing the leaders who are on the ground making XR happen today. True pioneers in the space, from Amazon, Walmart, and UPS, to Coke, Pfizer, and beyond to uncover the pitfalls, lessons learned, and secrets that you can use to help grow XR in your organization. All right, well, this week we get to sit down with uh, Luigi Nicastro. Luigi is a senior consultant at Capco, and Capco is a global technology and management consultancy uh, that's specializing in driving digital transformation uh, in the financial services industry. Uh, great to sit down with you today, Luigi. Thanks, Brad, I really appreciate it. Very excited to be here. So just a simple, to get us going here, for those who may not know, tell us, okay, when you say financial services industry, what, what type of customers are you all focusing on? Yeah, for sure. The, the best way to paint this is, imagine any of the big banks within Canada, we're working with them. So we, we have a pretty good uh, audience here we're working with. Very cool. Love to see VR getting into some serious sectors like that. Um, before we jump into kind of the Capco angle, I'd love to hear just a little bit about your personal journey into XR. For sure. Yeah, my background, uh, it's funny, I actually started in a few things. I did media for a little bit, then business. Uh, then I found myself actually doing my bachelor's degree uh, for interaction design. Uh, so my background really is in that area, but it wasn't until my last year of school where I kind of was like, VR is kind of cool. I like playing <laughs> VR games. And uh, I just kind of swapped my whole life to do VR and fast forward five years and here I am working in virtual reality. And I've Done a variety of things from working education, uh, working in learning and development, building social hubs for virtual reality and desktop apps, and uh, and now I'm working with Capco, shaping the financial world. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we kind of have varied background as well. I started out in an education nonprofit. Will was in media, and I think both of us, when we saw the power of VR, it was like, okay, we need to jump. We need to jump into this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's cool. I agree. Uh, okay. So, well, tell us a little bit about Capco. So, how uh, you know. I love to hear about a, a sector like the financial services or big banks. You don't think for always sure. cutting edge tech, right? So what has that journey been like for a company like Capco to start yeah. to, to even try to bring XR it's, <laughs> into that world? It's funny because when I first got brought into Capco, when they asked me, hey, do you want to join our team to help lead and build XR programs to the banking world? My first thought was like, <laughs> I want to know how we're going to do this. This sounds yeah. exciting. And I actually met with uh, with our partner, Michael Mormon, and he is the one who sold me on this. And it's actually his story I'll tell how it started because at Capco, we're always trying new innovative things, how we can increase uh, just like our interactions with our clients and, and our, also our team members. And we do this thing called Partner Idol. So mm -hmm. kind of like American mm -hmm. Idol, but our partners here at the company, they have to pitch an idea. And uh, Michael Mormon, he, he pitched his idea using the metaverse and he actually did it all using uh, Immerse, using his meta avatar and oh, talking wow. to everybody and using VR. And at the time, this was probably, I think two years ago, uh, at the time I was like, what is this? This is like a cartoon, <laughs> what are we doing? And uh, he ended up like, I don't know the full story of how he won, but he won the whole thing and he became top of the, of the, of the partner idol. And that got him a spot with uh, with our CEO, and he got to do like a one on one with our CEO to show him what exactly he had envisioned for this practice. And originally, it was actually an augmented reality practice, but then he shaped it towards an immersive practice as a whole. Um, but the selling point wasn't just winning partner idol and showing off this fun this fun you know video he did. It was actually putting everyone in headsets 
right? Once you see it, once they saw it, like, well, this is, this is actually amazing. We can do something really cool with this. Uh, so it kind of like really helps get the traction going, but also a big part of helping Capco get involved was when Meta rebranded or when Facebook became Meta and the metaverse became this huge thing that everyone realized they could mm -hmm. do that in hand with what Mike was, was doing with Capco, it kind of just really sparked this next big step. Uh, and that was kind of how we found ourselves rolling off and created this practice. You know, Mike hired myself and a few others from the gaming industry to build this team. And we have other consultants who work here who have a background in, for business. Uh, and cu coupled together, we've, we've kind of built this team that can just do a lot together. That's really cool. It is, it is very interesting that <clears throat> we see it time and again. You have such a power powerful technology that's just sitting here. And it, yeah. until someone puts on the headset. Right. Like it, that's when it clicks. And and we talk about it every episode. I mean, this is a learning revolution, the, you know, people learning faster. And it's yeah, it's just this powerful technology, but it's so hard to communicate until you can put somebody in the headset. Um, so that's very. Cool. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll, I'll probably say it over and over again during this call. But like it's talking is one thing and then doing it is another. Right. So. When you're working with these banks, What's the conversation like to even get a proof of concept off the ground? And, and what have you seen? What's been led you guys to success? Well, the first thing is it, what always helps is having a connection, which is a, a great first step into any conversation. And we actually had um, a colleague who was very close with the head of innovation at TD, and they sparked the conversation just talking about the metaverse. You know, the, the conference happened and they're like, oh, you hear about the conference? And it kind of got the ball rolling on, on some ideas and we met up and it just started becoming, okay, we want to do this. How do we do this? Right. So we spent time building and planning this whole project that we wanted to do with the, with the client. And, uh, and it's it, honestly, all it takes is that first conversation. And then we just kind of just kept going. Right. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about the, the project with TD and, and just kind of lay out what, what are they doing? Who are they? Um, and what where well, are you guys but, at in the project? Hey, before before even that, I would I'd love to hear about either with TD specifically or any of the big banks you work with. Again, right. Like what just what's some of the initial resistance? You know, I understand that in that mm. situation sure. you had that in, that open door, but yeah. Yeah, it's actually it's actually really good. Um, so and I, I actually will use TD as the example because it was TD's head of innovation who we actually met with and got the ball rolling yeah. on this project. And I think the first thing, and it's something that we're going to continue to face in this industry is going through, okay, well, what hardware are we going to use? The cost of the hardware, you know, what software we don't want to use, security protocols. There's there's so many hurdles you have to kind of navigate to to make sure we can build, one, an experience that our client will love and they will benefit from, but two, something that's feasible uh, given the infrastructure we're working with for the financial world. So one, it was, okay, how do we get this ball rolling? How do we get headsets to our client? Thankfully, we actually partnered with a company in the UK um, they're called Mesmerize. They run an application called Gatherings. And we've worked very closely with them and they provided us with a bunch of headsets that we could use for client interactions. So we were able to get headsets shipped over to TD and say, listen, we will give you the headsets to use for this to kind of show you what we're doing. That way you can try it out. And once mm -hmm. they try it out, because like we said before, talking about it was one thing, but getting them actually in the headset, they're like, okay, yeah, so we can see the reason for this. We're going to invest because once they put the headset on, on their heads, they're like, we need to be involved in this. Let's build this plan. So the, the biggest resistance is it's always the first conversation. And the reason being most people, when they think of VR who aren't tied to the day-to-day -day industry, they're thinking of like 
cardboard days, right? Google cardboard mm-hmm. days of VR where you have a phone and they they, still, they, they think, how is that going to be immersive? How is that going to help our company benefit? But when you show them where we're at now, where we are today, we have like wireless headsets and they're more affordable than they were five years ago. Uh, it's just, it's it truly, it's an eye-opening experience when you put them in there. And I, yeah, maybe you could just keep talking a little bit more about TD. I know you guys are midstream with it, but yeah. what, what are they actually doing with the headsets and what's been some of the early results? What feedback are you getting? So right now we've launched a, pro- a program with TD where we have uh, co-ops using the virtual uh, the Quest 2 headsets to go through a day-to-day program. They do their onboarding and, and networking through uh, gatherings. Um, they're doing fitness and well-being through FitXR. Um, we're doing prototyping and building using Shapes XR. And, uh, and we're also doing social interactions, uh, working with uh, Rec Room. We actually have a company called VRE that we work with who are helping us organize events and, and, and showcasing what we can do for fun in Rec Room. So all of these different applications, we've built this program for them that will allow them to hit all their goals and allow a lot more retention from the users working in the space. Because one of the biggest things I noticed, and, 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 and you might be able to attest to this, is that when you do meetings, any meetings with with that requires a camera and a microphone, if I can turn my mic off and my camera off, I'm gonna do that. If I have to be <laughs> in virtual reality and I'm talking, I'm gonna be a lot more attentive. I'm not gonna be on my phone. I'm gonna be in this conversation with you and you're gonna have my full attention. And that's something we're seeing. We're seeing so much engagement. We've I haven't been in the spaces myself, but I've been hearing all the feedback that everyone's going in there and they're having fun. And that's the, one of the best things about it because they're having fun while getting the work done mm-hmm. and we're seeing great outcomes so far. We're still tracking it day to day. The program's still ongoing, so I can't give full insight on that. But overall, I can say it's been a pretty solid experience and we're getting a lot of great feedback. Love it. Uh, is there any specific module or aspect of the uh, program that you feel like has been uh, that the interns have, have enjoyed the most or what, what's kind of any highlights you've heard back already? Yeah, actually, one of the things is, uh, is honestly, it's level of excitement. And this wouldn't even go for just the interns. This goes for almost any of our clients that we work with in VR. Once you put that headset on, it's kind of like they're, they're, well, they are in another world, another reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but they truly are like, I am somewhere else. And it's, it's, <laughs> you get that reaction of like, I forget that I'm in a workspace sometimes and they're just getting really excited. And which is great because we want to see that. We want to see the excitement and get them involved in the space. So uh, I think overall it's, it's the first few experiences. And it's funny because a really big thing is is when we set these headsets up for everybody and we get them involved in these programs, we want to make sure they're using the easiest level of comfort in virtual reality, right? So we're making sure they're teleporting and snap turning. Mm-hmm. But sometimes mm-hmm. they just swap it to this, this smooth locomotion and they're flying through the scenes because they're having <laughs> so much fun and they're just having a blast. and. And it's really great. And then when you switch to the, the business side of things, um, we had a lunch and learn with uh, some some members in TD. And you we saw, like from the footage I saw, everyone was sitting there and they were all looking. There's questions being asked. They're all engaged. And what's great is that these students are all across Canada. It's not like they're all working remotely. This is, yeah. this is the goal we had in mind was how do we bring remote people together to work in a space and be informed and be engaged and we're seeing it happen with these students and it's, it's phenomenal i love it and i should just note for anybody listening td bank is a big canadian multinational banking and financial services company um so they're if any of the canadians listening will will know will know who they are um <laughs> on the topic of just content i know that's your background it's your expertise what's your approach to creating custom content for a program like this um, how do you think about what what tools and 
uh, avatar versus you know there's so many different aspects to explore how do you what what's kind of your approach well we really have to kind of take the like a, a pragmatic approach when we first meet with the client like for me right away i'm a huge vr person i love virtual reality i want to use it for whatever i can but at the end of the day we have to make sure and assess that it is the right solution for what you're doing so once we can determine that the the sense of avatars, whether they're realistic or whether they're, you know, if they're let's say if you have like Meta or Ready Player Me or you have something like with gatherings and other applications that use photorealistic avatars, it really depends on the scenario. And the reason why I say it is, for instance, for networking events, we find that the photorealistic avatars work really well because mm-hmm. when I meet you in virtual reality with my meta avatar, it looks a little bit like me, but you won't fully know what I look like. When I use a, a photorealistic avatar, you can see my face molded onto this on this character. Also, I have a name tag and a photo of myself in some in some applications. This allows it a lot easier. It lowers a, like a little barrier of of communication and of knowing one another. Where I can say, "Hey, I've met you before in VR." And funny enough, this morning I met with one of our vendors on a call for the first time in Zoom, and not in VR. And I was like, "This is so weird. I'm used to seeing your <laughs> VR avatar, like your photorealistic avatar." And but I already had that level of comfort myself, right? So when it comes to using avatars, we, it really is base by base uh, for the, the the use case we're working on. That's funny because, you know, we're fully sense. remote. And so we we have the, the, and as a lot of companies do, when you meet somebody in person for the first time and you've always seen them on Zoom, there's this, oh, you know, I had this one image of you. So it's funny to think about the first interaction being <laughs> a VR interaction. On, on yeah. Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's probably just been a handful of those in the history in history of first interaction in VR and then Zoom, right? And then per, in person, right? Yeah. That's that's a funny, that's interesting. It's like we're going backwards. We're, we're now yeah. swapping it where we're right, so used right. to this digital world. Like, well, <laughs> even like my team, like we we meet in virtual reality. We do all of our meetings that's using cool. different uh, VR applications. We do our standups in VR and everything, right? And I see them in person once a month or every few weeks, maybe. Sometimes I don't even see them at all. We just work completely remotely, right? Yeah. And it's just, I've gotten so used to their avatars and like, it's just become <laughs> like the norm for me, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it's just like, I I am now one with the avatar, you know, just how it is. That's funny. Well, I could imagine that uh, working with big banks, uh, security, privacy, there's a lot of concerns there. So how do you all approach yeah. that? Yeah, the the security thing is definitely one of the biggest things and and. It's something we, we do definitely have to take very seriously. And that's what we make sure with any company we're working with, we we do a full like vetting process. We go mm-hmm. through all their credentials. We do one-on-ones of testing. Uh, even like working uh, with, with your team as well, we, we we have to make sure we get the, the assurance that you have that security. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's always probably number one in our list of things because at the end of the day, these are financial institutions that have a lot of information and we need to make sure that our, the clients and their clients are protected. Uh, so that is definitely one of the biggest parts of our process. Now, for instance, with the uh, TD program, we used, we crafted this experience where these are all no- networking and session, network sessions and interactions. So we aren't interacting with clients or client data. So we designed an experience where we can still have a fully secure and safe environment mm-hmm. And also still deliver an experience that will give mm-hmm. them what they're looking for. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it comes down to crafting the right uh, solutions that will allow us to meet our, our requirements for the project. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we see the security stuff a lot. If you know, we go. Through, oh, I, I can oh, yeah. imagine. We do a lot of work there. And what's interesting is, 
it, it absolutely is very important. But there's also this, because of the unknown of XR, I think to a lot of companies, it does feel like yeah. just the perception and, and the importance of almost being overly secure because a lot of companies yep. don't fully understand what they're letting into their, their org. Um, and that's just, you know, that's the way it is. That's fine. Um, have you seen, has there been any trend toward one particular headset type in the banking world? No, we're, we always try to kind of keep it pretty agnostic and open yeah. to any devices. It, it really comes down to what best suits their needs. And we've been actually experimenting with, with multiple headsets. Um, the, the one thing right now with the, um, uh, working with gatherings, uh, with Mesmerize, Mesmerize is, um, they provided us with, with Quest 2 headsets. Mm -hmm. So that's something we've worked with, but also in-house, we work with the PKOs as well. So we kind of keep it open to whatever works best. It also comes down to also vendors and applications. Yeah. What support them, what headset, what's not, right? So we really do our best to keep it open to all of them. And we're in, also in this day and age, we have so many new headsets, new advancements, things happening every single day that it's, it's kind of hard to lock down to one thing. And it's we kind of are glad we're not doing that approach because... By keeping it open, we can always guarantee that our client will have the best experience because we're gonna always be on top of what's next. Well, I was gonna say, it's just funny, you know, as we support all the headsets as well, and as the market's grown, there is this excitement. Obviously, we're all excited that there's new devices, uh, new improved devices, but then the other side is our team's like, this is great, but now we have five, 10, 15 different device types to support. I'm like, hey, <laughs> look, you, that's good, right? You. Like it's growth. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna ask you, cause like for, for us, like we have, to, we have to balance like the headsets too, but I'm like, you you run a, a program that has to support all these headsets. So like you're probably constantly having to like stay on top of every single protocol and, and set up process and security and, and uh, interfaces and everything like that for all these headsets. I can only imagine how, how your team is going. Yeah, that. yeah. No, it's a challenge. And I think we've just recently started having some conversations about ending support for some older devices. But yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. our whole position is we serve the globe. We serve every device. We serve yeah. every company. And so, but one of the things that we've done, uh, we've put a, little, a lot of effort into in the last year and a half or so is building tight relationships with the actual hardware companies themselves. And that's been so right. helpful. And I think as we've gained traction and they realize that we're working with large companies like you guys, they've, you know, it's mm -hmm. given us more credibility in, in their eyes. And so that's made the process a lot easier. Um, but yeah, it's still definitely a challenge. But again, it's like, it's good. That means there's growth. That means there's new devices, more people are buying their exactly. devices. So we'll take the pain. Something I want to hit on, we've got probably a lot of people listening that are in early stages of considering doing a pilot. Uh, they yeah. want to get proof of concept off the ground. What are some of the challenges, even at that level? I mean, you have 100 interns, so it's, it's not 1,000, but even at 100, you've got a number of headsets that you're having to, to, to manage, and you're having to push out ups, apps and updates and everything else. Right. What, are, what are some of the, the challenges you, you all have experienced on the ground um, in taking these consumer headsets and yeah. turning them into a, a real-world business uh, pilot? Yeah, one of the biggest things we do is 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 the preparation and the handoff, right? So we we build this whole program for you, and we'll give you we'll help you get the head set up, and and kind of the we'll give you like the information you need to kind of get going. But also we give you guides and support for future like use. So like if there's an update or something goes wrong, we have guides and material ready to assist our, our clients on these different things. As the time goes on, and we keep doing more more work like this. We're going to get more involved with other things like work with NBMs and other solutions that will do more beneficial work. 
it's one of the biggest things you gotta cons- we gotta consider though is that the more software we introduce, the more research and vetting we have to go through as well. So we want to make sure that we make the best and simplest experience for our clients. So by providing all this support and these resources, they're able to fall back on those and they can and they can get that that information. Also, give us a call and we'll help out as well. But at, so far, we've noticed with this pilot. Um, from my understanding, I haven't gotten any complaints or issues with any crashing or bugs or uh, update failures or anything. Everything's been going very smooth, which is very great to hear. Um, so I can't really speak to what goes wrong because it hasn't gone wrong yet, which is which is a good thing. Uh, but either way, we, we always make sure to be prepared for when those things do come up. That's awesome to hear because I think one of our biggest concerns and has been for several years from where you started at the very beginning of this of this conversation you know it it's hard to explain vr to someone there's just this like built-in resistance right yes. so until you get them in the headset okay now i understand it but even at that point it feels like the you've got one chance at a first impression is just on steroids in xr like you've got one shot <laughs> and if it yeah. doesn't go well people are kind of looking for reasons to not to not work with them. so it's amazing to hear that you're rolling out really well but that's something for, even for us i mean you know, we have a we work with a lot of the global Fortune 500, and most of those companies um, have a, a, a traditional UEM like an Intune or a VMware, and so we're constantly in this conversation of like those are excellent products for your traditional devices, but at least right. at this point they do not have the capabilities necessary for XR. And what's going to happen is you're going to run an excellent 10 headset pilot, but when you get to, ready to move beyond that, it's going to be <laughs> a mess. And we've seen it dozens of times. And then the <laughs> leadership in your company, whoever's making the decision, if it's IT or, or L&D or whatever, there, there's just there's going to be, we don't want to do this. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of a mission for an ongoing mission is like we, we have all collectively, the hardware companies, the software companies like us, the content creators, uh, folks like you, they're actually implementing. We have to be so, I think, ruthless with that first proof of concept being excellent. It, it really is like, I know it goes without saying, but it really is a make or break. Yeah. Even if it's a five, 10 person pilot, that experience will go a long way. And yeah. then on top of that, we, we prepare, you know, scaling, right? We have the conversation. So within that, we do consider the future because in our, in my mind and in our, in our thoughts, when we're doing these, these, these projects, they are going to scale. We know they can scale, right? It's a matter of just having that first experience be the ideal one, right? So, uh, you're, you are correct that that first initial interaction is important and, it's funny when you say when people don't know like what VR is. Like I've been working in VR for five years now. My parents have known this and they still have no idea what I do. They yeah. still ask, what do you do for working on? And I'm like, I'm it's like, gosh, at this point, that's it on me. Let's move around. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. No, we, th- th- we have the same conversation. I think we've recently gotten some, um, in the last year, some, some household name customers. And I think that's helped our parents finally understand. Ah, okay. Now I think I understand. <laughs> But even still, I think when we when you say, okay, we're we're the MDM, we're kind of the glue that, that puts it all together. At, yeah. It's easy to understand the hardware or the content, or maybe even for you, you know, okay, we're actually helping companies. But for us, it's, right. if you're not technical, it's very difficult, I think, to understand what Arbor does. Well, that's is. why I usually try to show them, I show them examples like, let's do some mini putt in VR. Or yeah, we'll do golfing, right? Because right? yeah. my parents get that. <laughs> so when they you start them in with something they can understand. Right, right. Meet them where they're at. Okay, now we're going to fly through space. Okay, yeah. now we're going to change the world. You know, yeah. we're going to do all these different things, right? That's cool. Hey, what, what are, if you had three go-to apps, uh, experiences to start people out, what are your, everybody's got their own list, but. 
Well, it, it really depends on the perspective. If we're talking from uh, the business perspective, uh, we actually do start off with something light. We uh, Something that kind of doesn't put too much on the user. We, so we find gatherings to be a really good first example because it pops them into experience and they can just go through, network, and talk to one another and, and, and they can have that experience. You know, then it kind of comes down to, okay, well, what's next? Do you want to go to a more, like, a more immersive, like, experience and visuals? Do you want to have mm. fun? Right. So it depends on the categories. If we're talking talking fun, Beat Saber is pretty great. I think everyone knows Beat Saber. <laughs> we play that. You have fun. Uh, Walkabout Mini Plat. There's, there's a, a mm-hmm. bunch of games out there. Um, Beat Show, there's my personal uh, uh, things, though. I, I can't speak on behalf of what of what the companies will be using, but uh, those are probably for the fun side of things. I actually do find Shapes XR as well to be a really good tool mm. um, because that one blows my mind in, in the sense of what you can do in the application and the constant updates and support for them uh, is, is phenomenal. Um, I don't think I'd ever start off with Half-Life Alex. I think that'd be a little too much to throw someone <laughs> for the first time. Uh, you're going to throw them all the way up here and they're going to have no idea what's going on. So, well, uh, But yeah, it's always, it's always good to kind of keep it as minimal as possible. Even though you want to blow their mind, you want to blow their mind in a way that will not overload them. Right? Feel, feel accessible, yeah. I exactly. think there's a su- surprising number of CEOs that have been baptized into VR through Beat Saber, so that you're not far off on the market. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say one of my favorites is uh, is Richie's Plank. I don't know if you ever heard oh, of that. Yeah. One, oh yeah, no, we, that's we used to have actually... an actual like a uh, you know plank? a white plank that we'd put down, <laughs> and people would just you, know, you get to the end of that and you tell them to jump off, and it's just hilarious. Well, yeah. when we very very first got started in VR, we started with an arcade. That was our entry point, and before the arcade in a that's mall, that's right. We had a kiosk in the mall, okay? It was like Black Friday weekend kiosk. And we put a, I mean, everybody's at the mall, the mall's packed, and we had a board out in the middle. And there was Which just we got from Home Depot. Huge like crowds just around. A, it was hilarious. Yeah, it, it was a awesome treated experience. lumber. What was the name again? Was it Spring? Spring uh, or? Springboard, yeah. Uh, well, before the, ar- the arcade was actually Upward, Upward VR, which then transitioned right. to the software Springboard, which we sold to Vertigo Games. Zombie, or, uh, I can say, I'm pretty Sunshine. sure Vertigo Games, yeah, I remember following all this in the news. And, yeah. Yeah. Funny. So, which you know, then for those of us who've been in VR, we always like to joke that was that's been six years. It feels like twenty or thirty. Uh, it feels like <laughs> it two lifetimes does ago. A long time ago. It really does. <laughs> you know, and there's I'll just say to give a shout out. There's there's a lot of really cool content creators that are great creating great off the shelf. Whether it's fire safety training or a lot of soft skills, body swaps is one of our uh, favorites that we like to mention. But um, there are more and more uh, kind of enterprise focused. I think back in the day it was you had to buy a consumer headset from Best Buy and you had to show them Beat Saber. And it was a bit of a leap for, especially for leadership to, to figure out, well, yeah. how can we make this practical for, you know, we need, we need forklift simulator, not like, you know, Beat Saber. But yeah. even then, I still think that there's something about showing some of the, you know, the best, most immersive apps just to get people excited. Um, and it's, it's also makes for a great uh, camera moment. If you can film your CEO playing Beat Saber. That, that first, also for me, it's, uh, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but it's 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 probably my go-to reason why I still work in this field is uh, whenever I had the chance to, sh- to see somebody use VR for the first time, and either if it's over the VR headset itself or it's in person, seeing their smile or their or their like their like their awe of being in VR, or two, if you hear them like kind of like giggling or laughing over <laughs> a microphone because you can hear them trying it out for the first time, those are probably the the best reasons for it, and that's the one thing we see from our clients a lot too is that when we get them the headsets. There's two ways about it. One, we do it with them in real time and we can see them react. Or two, when we have our first follow-up call with them 
like holy that was amazing that was an amazing experience and like and, and we always say you're just scratching the surface yeah. there's so much more we can do right so it, it, it is a really good feeling when we when we can see that excitement from our clients that's cool and again it goes back to what we said it, it, there's this whole world that's right here that people don't know about until you yeah. put on the headset and yeah <clears throat> so i put on a headset for the first time seven years ago and it was zombie training simulator okay which is not even great graphics. zombie training i don't know if you remember that it's like 2d almost but it was just amazing. No, it's like pa paper cutout. Zombies, yeah, it's like paper cutout. It's like Paper Mario wow, okay. kind of style. Okay. Uh, it was on a Vive. And uh, yeah, but the same thing. I'm like, wow. I, I mean, I was at Will's house and I took off the headset and it was like, I had no idea this technology existed. And so for us, that yeah. was kind of the, the, the reason we got into this at all was this technology is going to change the world. And we had this very yeah. idealistic vision that maybe we could be a part of helping shape it for good. And so for us, it was like, yeah. well, how do we get in arcade? get into the arcade see this you know it's kind of just grown over the years and i think one thing we've really landed on recently as we've you know evolved into uh arbor and now we're focused on the inter uh, enterprise space one you see these amazing use cases right you see people learning faster people being you know being safer yeah. saving money but i think there's this potential we talk about the fun of xr there's this potential for the for the technology to just further feed into the desire I think we have as mankind today to just escape or to check out or to be, you know, and so right. I think for us kind of planting a flag in the ground and saying, no, like this is a tool that we're going to use. It's not going to use us and it should actually give us our time back. We should have more time with our families because we're, we're learning faster. We're traveling less, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so maybe as we wrap here, here's, here's my question for you, uh, in, in your position in the financial services industry, working with big banks, I mean, a, a, <laughs> an important sector, a, a serious sector, uh, security concerns, privacy concerns, et cetera. What's your prediction of how VR will change that industry over the next five to 10 years? It's a really interesting question and a good question to ask because when I think of where I was five years ago to where I am today, when I first started doing VR development, I was using lighthouses and then I had to use a PC and I had to do all this stuff and it required a lot of programming myself. Today, I can use my Quest headset or a Pico. I can use OpenXR to develop it to work on all headsets, right? Now I can use AI to help me code my work, right? And we're only at this today. Yeah. So in the future, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty mind-blowing, especially when we see how we're already using glasses yeah. uh, connected to our phones to make it a different experience. And I truly like am very excited. I, I you know we, I've heard rumors about the contact lens uh, scenario working with with uh, with MR and all that, and I think in the future we're gonna have a very low form factor, very affordable. Everyone, it's gonna be like, the cell, like our like our cell phones. Yeah. You know, when we first got cell phones, they're big, bulky. Not everyone had them because they were this new thing. But as time goes on, they're gonna be so affordable, so easy to use, and it's gonna be integrated to all of our tech. I think it's gonna be a pretty integral part to our work days, our work days, uh, and our lives. Because myself, as a tech enthusiast, I already use it every day anyways, even yeah. with it being a heavier headset and bit bigger. I'm in VR during work and after work. <laughs> so when it becomes easier for everyone else, I think everyone's going to be using it. Um, and to add on to that as well, like I think we'll see a lot more companies who are focused around it and have it kind of embedded in their core. Like Capco as a whole, um, like our Toronto office is where we have our immersive team. Mm -hmm. And we've built a practice around you know, researching and delivering extra experiences. And we're a small team, but in five years, the this, this small team won't be just within our Toronto office. We're going to see yeah. this spread across the world and a lot of companies. And you can speak to it too, all the companies you're already working with, right? 
we're going to see a massive growth in this space. And it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I think that the, the growth in technology is so key. Imagine five years ago, if, if you had banks like TD, you know, TD, and they had a, a room with the gaming PC and lighthouses, right? Like that's just that, you know, that doesn't yeah. work, right? They're not going to have it a, wouldn't, a, it wouldn't. Yeah. So, uh, well, this has, yeah. been, this has been great, Luigi. Um, really appreciate you taking time out of your day to visit with us and uh, look forward to chatting again soon. No, thanks so much. I really appreciate the invitation and it's been a very good time talking with you both. Thank you so much. You bet. Well, that was a great convo with Luigi. Uh, felt like we were talking to an old friend and it's always fun to talk to somebody who's been in the space kind of through, through the evolution and uh, very cool to see that VR is getting some real traction in the banking industry. It is. You can tell he's he's a VR aficionado. He's he's living it. Um, Definitely. You know, it's funny. The whole time at the end there, when you mentioned Zombie Training Simulator, all I could think about was uh, the first time I put my dad into VR, I put him into that same app. <laughs> and when all of the zombies rushed him, he panicked and turned and ran full tilt and just hit the wall in my office. And I thought for sure... I was taken to the hospital, but he he was fine. But uh, just goes to show the the power of VR. Absolutely, that's funny. I, you know, honestly, every time I recount my first experience, I do think about your that story of your dad, and then I think you know I didn't run, so uh, I was <laughs> a little bit more prepared for the zombie apocalypse, uh, at least mentally, uh, than your dad was. But uh, thank you all so much for joining us uh, this week. As always, we appreciate you. And you can check this, check us out anywhere you consume your podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, etc. And we look forward to seeing you next time.